Welcome. To Arcade Audio. this week's episode of Married with Movies. I'm one of your hosts, Samantha Mullet. Sitting next to me on the couch is your other host, my beautiful husband, Chris Mullet. Fifteen years. Why you gotta ruin it like that? Just... Ruin what? Everything. One, your tone. Two, my life. That was the loudest gulp I've ever heard. It was purposeful. It sounded like you had a waterfall in your mouth. Uh, I had a what now? A waterfall, because your mouth is large. Ah. After 15 years, you can't come up with a new joke? No, because they still work, because your mouth is abnormally huge. My mouth is not that big. It's a pretty big mouth. Okay. You're already falling asleep, and we just started. We, we were doing this to sleep, because we had to fucking take two days to watch this goddamn movie. You can't fucking wake up. For a special anniversary fucking episode of the fucking Married Movie Show. I'm, I'm just going to spend, spend this episode the way I sp- I've spent the last 15 years. Sleeping. Great. That's how I got through it. People ask me, oh, what's the secret? Oh, I just sleep. Wonderful. And cheese. I eat cheese. Great, you're like the fat mouse from Cinderella. Gus Gus! I doesn't do that. Yes, his name is Gus Gus, and they all say, Gus Gus? Did you not pay attention when we watched? Oh, maybe you should pay attention to the movies that we do for this podcast. Huh? Huh? If you're new here... I don't want to do this anymore. We've been together for 15 years, and we're feeling it. We're married, we got movies, we watch them, and we record for you guys to enjoy. We're recording this February 15th. Happy Valentine's Day to those of you who celebrate. You're hearing this February 17th, or starting to, because that's the day that our podcast normally airs, Thursday. And as Samantha said, it is our 15-year dating anniversary. Yeah, like we've been together for 15 years. Yeah. Virtually attached at the hip. So, yeah. Um... <laughs> Sorry, no. How bored and sad I could make my voice. No, you, you don't need to, like, just talk normally. I know. It'll get across. Um, you really have nothing to talk about? No, I don't, actually. I have nothing to say about this or you. I just want to get into the movie, probably. <laughs> don't right. throw rocks no, that's in fine. a glass house. I don't live in a glass house. Or a grind house. You throw rocks in a grindhouse. Because there's, there's probably going to be more rocks. What? <laughs> Look, we're both very tired. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it took us two days to watch this because, as we'll get into here in a second, we watched the complete grindhouse 
double feature double feature movie as it was intended to be watched and how it was released in theaters. This was my nominated movie. Yeah, great job, buddy. That um, I nominated because it was the first movie we ever saw together, uh, albeit in a big group of people. It was the first time we ever went to the theaters together. Um, but we're also tired. We're coming off of, you know, uh, a pretty long... Busy weekend. Busy weekend. Sleep, and work's been crazy so far this week. It's only Tuesday and, you know... Come see, come saw. That's life. So, yeah. So, uh, we haven't really watched anything else new as of late. We've just been... I mean, we really had enough time to do this. Right. So... Um, Man, people must think, like, we're such pieces of shit when they listen to this. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I just feel like it. You don't feel like... I never feel like a piece of shit, because I'm not a piece of shit. Oh, you are the biggest piece of this, shit. This hair isn't even slicked back. This is pushed back. That's just, I think you should leave reference. That's all that that is. But you don't pay attention to anything that we watch, because you always fall asleep in whatever we do, so you don't know. Or else you'd get that reference. Uh-huh. You were saying, people think no, we're pieces I'm, of no, shit? No. no, I'm done. No. no, you proved my point. Well, people are going to think we're pieces of you're, shit, you because you, you're not going to ex- no, you extrapolate on the, on the... No, you proved my point. I don't need to. You demonstrated it. No. I knew if I set you up, you'd be like, I'm not a piece of shit. And everybody know that you're a piece of shit. Why did you feel like you were a piece of shit? Because I've been with you for 15 years. You've rubbed off on me. Got it. I have. That's <laughs> That's what I meant. Exactly. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? I have you? no idea. What's wrong with you? I have no idea. We don't normally record this late. But again, we are because... We have to. I know, but like in your voice, like your voice, your body language, everything does seem like you actually legitimately don't want to do this. And I know you say that like every episode, but I've always thought that you were joking. It was like just a jest, but... Oh, I love to talk about movies. <laughs> Can you move your hand from here? It's no, like... I'm comfortable, bro. I'm comfortable, man. Um, I think it's hard because... It's Valentine's Day. It's our anniversary. And we're actually very sweet and nice to each other. But that's the exact opposite of what this podcast is supposed to basically be. Why is every, like, podcast persona that you have an asshole? It's not. Or every, like, persona that you have an asshole. You make people call you Lord Overseer I when never, you were on Podswoggle. I never made anybody you call me You encouraged it. I didn't stop it. We had it. a package sent to our house addressed to Lord Overseer. That's just because Augie doesn't know how to spell my fucking name, probably. <laughs> That's what that was for. Um, it's not... It's not everything. It's just how you perceive me to be. So you're just wrong again. So that's all that it is. You think that you're more... That you're less of an asshole? Than what? Than you actually are? Like, actually? Of course, yeah. Okay. I'll share something with you off air. You will? (laughs) Whenever we go pick up Dylan from daycare... Your color shine through. Oh, I just don't like talking to people. <laughs> no, not what I meant. Oh, me making fun of children? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been doing that forever. That's, yeah. I just think making fun of kids, they have no defense to it. And it's not like I'm saying it to their face. 
I'm doing it under my breath, behind their backs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Look, then that kid probably shouldn't have a speech impediment and probably shouldn't sound as stupid as he does. That's, that's my answer to that. Okay, well, tonight's movie is Grindhouse. <laughs> it's a uh, Rodriguez-Tarantino double feature. Should I commence with the reading? Yes, go, go for it. Okay. Planet Terror, Death Proof. Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez are back. But this time, they're back to back. Are you going to read this any more stilted? That's just how I read. Uh-huh. Thank you. This is why I am not on Audible. Mm-hmm. Why is there so much? I have to read all of it. Can you lean forward so I can see what you're... Oh, no, lean just forward. The, just this first yeah. paragraph, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just this first paragraph? Yes. Okay. Experience the original theatrical exhibition like never before. The Rodriguez-Tarantino double feature Grindhouse is back and better than ever. The rip-roaring and adrenaline-pumping films and trailers are being released for the first time in the original theatrical exhibition format back-to-back in high definition. Loaded with over two hours of all-new bonus content, this two-disc Blu-ray delivers the ultimate cinematic experience. Very good. Thank you so much. And I don't need to read anything else because it just tells you what is in the discs. What is on that? So the bonus disc I didn't put in, it's just all about like making of and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. But... Got it. So, um, tackled Tarantino quite extensively. Oh, fuck, I need that box because this... I can't write on this. Um, you fucking idiot. <laughs> we've, um, we've tackled Tarantino pretty extensively here on the podcast uh, thus far. As I mentioned, this was the first movie we saw in theaters together as part of a big group of people. Um, Tarantino being my favorite director. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I'm going to see whatever he has to... To offer. Offer out, out in theaters. And it was kind of a notorious bust of a project. Did not do well For at the box office. For a couple reasons. Yeah, because of the length. The length definitely because hurts. Of over three hours double together. Double feature um, genre. Like, people weren't used to it and, and didn't not, stay. And it's not a mass market project. What? Like, it is, it is for a... It is for cult. Yes, cult, mm-hmm. pulpy audience. Mm-hmm. Um... So when it was so to counteract that when it was released in international markets and when it was released on home video, they released the two movies separately because they are able to stand on their own as both Planet Terror and Death Proof, and they added you know other scenes to make them a little bit longer. Not that they needed. I think Death Proof is like an hour, and I think Planet Terror is like ninety minutes, and Planet and Death Proof is like a hundred minutes. Like in the movie itself with everything else, and you have this big sprawling film. But um I didn't buy this for quite some time because I was not interested in watching Planet Terror on its own. I wasn't interested in watching Death Proof on its own. Right. We- uh, and I wasn't interested in the experience without to me, what after watching it, really, this is only the second time I've ever watched. It. I haven't watched from, this from yeah since I since I bought this because yep. it's on TV ever. Um, and, and it's I, a big thing yeah, it's, it's to an sit down and watch. Yeah, my favorite part of it 
is like the experience of it being packaged together with the, the trailers. The, the trailers, obviously. I mean, the trailers are the best. The trailers are what most people fucking remember about both for the whole fucking yeah, project, yep. really. But the trailers and the in theater cinema experience yep. of yep. the the interludes Absolutely. and and the experience, which is what Rodriguez and Tarantino were going for, of going to these you know grindhouse shows of both you know shitty. 70s high concept slasher movies and zombie movies but with a fucking budget and with our tours making them um when i first saw it i was like cool man like fuck yeah like let's go and when i watched it today and yesterday i'm still that way but a lot of the shine to me has worn off on it as a whole just because I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just all a little bit it's, too much. It's very <laughs> gratuitous. Well, and that, and it that, and that, and that, I mean, that means it's accurate. Yeah. And purposefully gratuitous. And gratuity will never offend me well, or be no, a bother no, to me. But I think. I mean, I yeah, I think, like, it's on my lower end of, like, Tarantino oh. films. Because it didn't, uh, I don't know, to me it didn't feel like an authentic Tarantino movie. Like, the only time I remember that this was Tarantino was any references to, like, Pulp Fiction or t- any Tarantino work. Well, the world and, building that he's Right, the world building. Yeah. And then... Him being in both of the movies, and well, and th- there's plenty. So you like, have <laughs> you have director tropes. So I, I can't. So we're gonna be the feet. Yes. Yeah, we're gonna be discussing Grindhouse and rating Grindhouse both in MVP and LVP and his scores as a as whole. a whole as a total. But I do want to tackle each movie kind of separately before yeah. we get back to those. But while you're on the subject of the Tarantino stuff, yes, you can tell it's a Tarantino movie by you know. The, the trunk shot and the, the, the diner shot and the fact that the movie literally starts with a pair of feet on the dashboard and it says written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, which you might as well just have opened all of his movies with. Um, then there's also like the references to the Big Kahuna Burger and mm-hmm. things of that nature, so you, you know that it is. Um, it is without question, by a massive margin, the worst Quentin Tarantino movie that he's ever made. Uh, he will even admit that in interviews, in fact, I think he's recently talked about it. Um, and worse than Hateful Eight, which yeah, we'll get it, to. Yeah, because Hateful Eight is still fine. It's still, I would say, it's an, it's a on the low end good movie sure. um, that has a lot of problems. Sure, uh, but this wasn't ever like really supposed to be. I think a good movie. Like, like do you think it was supposed to be like farce? Basically, no, 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 on no. these types no. of films. No, I think this was very much an homage to those movies that were very influential to both filmmakers, mm. and they do a good job of being an homage, but they almost do too well of a job as being an homage because they don't really give or add anything to either one of those genres. They just kind of or another one. exist in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's they like just, it's just are another one. one. Right, they don't right. use any of their. What they're expertise, known, yeah, yeah, or their their tools and their tricks to enhance it. Yes, to further the craft. Got it. Got um, it. Because yeah, because Death Proof to me is the only 
bad Tarantino. Like watching it, and I felt the same way when I watched it then, and people were talking about for a long time. It's it's just not good. It's just it's it's got a couple good scenes in it, and we'll, we'll yes. get to it here in a minute. Yes. But but overall, on the, over, overall, this would be for me like a I don't recommend watching this if it were just death proof. Like if you want to be a totalitarian and like I have to experience everything Tarantino has done, then of course you have to fucking yes, watch. You it. have to. I'm not like that because I've never watched his CSI or his fucking ER, but. Uh, <laughs> Not yet. What a fan I am, you know? Not yet. But, like, Planet Terror is the more enjoyable movie, if you can even, like, say that. Sure. Because it has more fun. It's more... It makes more sense, which is... No, it it doesn't. At the very least, you could, like... Ah. You could come through with, like characters and arcs and like where it goes. All right, sure. Death proof. Well, let's just let's just get into I each. Think, okay, yeah. So, we'll just we'll just kind of go in order. So, of course, the movie starts with probably the thing that actually is the most famous from this movie, machete. which is which is establishing the Machete character. Machete. Um, now, I've never seen either Machete movie. I believe we own both of them and we'll get to them someday. Um, I don't think this technically means we would have to watch them cuz it's it it's just a character that started. Like they're not connected. Like there's no characters. Well, or I mean, you would say then we'd have to watch every Tarantino movie if this is yeah, the no, world no, no. building. It's different. I don't, yeah, I it's think world it's building. A little building. bit different. But it's amazing. It puts you right in the mood for what you're going for. Uh, I don't. I almost don't want to see the Machete movies because I honestly don't think they it, could be as good as the trailer. Up, right. It's like the trailer is so it. fucking good, <laughs> and it's like yes, here we go. Um... And I immediately was happy that I waited to rewatch any of this together because that is part of the charm of the experience and remembering that you were like in the movie theater with all these people at once experiencing experiencing this like big project. And then, of course, you get the big Weinstein Company title card right into a Rose McGowan striptease. It's like, well, that's aged poorly. That's probably what she was talking about. Well, proof, exhibit A. Well, no. So the background, briefly, because not to drag this yeah, fucking I, into yeah. the, the mud for people, is um, Rose McGowan had already basically been blacklisted by Harvey Weinstein prior to this movie based on, you know, turning down previous overtures from him. She was dating Robert Rodriguez at the time of this movie coming out. He insisted on her being the lead in the movie. And through uh, Harvey Weinstein's brother, Bob Weinstein, is really how they got this done uh, over Harvey. But another one of the reasons why this movie didn't do as well is because it was marketed pretty poorly. And a lot of that is attributed to Harvey Weinstein not wanting to put Rose McGowan's face, basically the, the cover of the only person on the cover of the poster of either movie mm-hmm. out for the world and to kind of sabotage it. Yep. Um, and then she also had some misgivings later on about, you know, Robert Rodriguez and his aims and ideals and how everything went. But, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of an uncomfortable watch between that. And then she's gets in like one or two situations throughout both movies. There's really uncomfortable to watch. If you know, like the backstory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, 
that that kind of puts you in a weird a weird headspace. But that's fine because you're going about to watch Planet Terror, so you're naturally in a weird headspace in the first place. Um, like I said, I prefer this to Death Proof. Would you agree, or or do you, do you think positively of Planet Terror? I mean, I don't really know. It's kind of hard to say when, you know, bitch loses a leg, and so dude breaks the leg off a table and sticks it in there, and then she breaks it off in somebody's eye. Of course. But it's Quentin yeah, that's Tarantino so, that's about That's so the... believable. <laughs> yeah. If you were going to come into this looking for believability, there are certain... You can't do that with this. If I'm walking into a movie in my critiques, in my reviews of this podcast, and I'm saying suspension of disbelief, it doesn't count for Grindhouse or Planet Terror or Death Proof. Mm -hmm. It counts for, like, the pursuit of happiness or, like, fucking, uh, like, a biopic of things that actually happen. You know what I mean? Oh, like Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, exactly right. Because there, I can look up what actually happened. But guess what? None of this actually really happened. So I'm fine with it. Um, it's rightfully gross. It's so gross. It's, it's very gross. It's so gross. It's uh, disgusting. You have like... You got a great cast. Boils and pus, pus and, and blood and balls and eyes and just all kinds of fucking gnarly looking shit which is exactly what i want gross. for this kind of yeah. this kind of thing um and that's not even getting into fergie's acting as being gross Man. i'm kidding she was fine <laughs> she's in like a scene and a half and like the back of her head is empty by the end of it so i'm fine it, with yeah it was great it's it was the last great. time we'll discuss fergie probably the rest of this episode um but yeah I, it 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 has more fun with the concept than Death Proof does. I, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Death Proof takes itself very seriously, I think. Yes. Um, and this, it, th this doesn't. It takes advantage of the gimmick really well. Like, both movies do the missing real bit on, like, the sex part of it, where really well. Rose McGowan and Freddie Rodriguez's characters are about to have a... Uh, are basically already in the middle of a sex scene that's the missing reel, and then it jump cuts into the barbecue place is on fire and everything's gone to shit. Yep. Like, that's being clever with the the motif that you're trying yep, to establish. Yep. yep, and you have... And, I mean, and it looks great in terms of the skipping film and, like, the spots and stuff like that. It does. I will say that after three hours, it gets a little taxing and distracting. Mm. And it also gets crazy inconsistent. So for this, it really goes hard into, you know, I mean, at one point the film just is full-blown, like, burn. I think that's around the point where the missing reel, reel happens. But all the scratches and marks and the old millimeter quality of the film, of course, puts you into that that time and that world in a, an effective way. But it's just a little bit too much. Just like it's a little bit too much at times how gratuitous it does get with some things like, her putting her hand through the car door oh, and breaking her awful. hand. Oh, that was awful. Like, the goo always popping, like, when, uh, like, the people that have been infected by this gas, like, rub the blood on other people, and, like, like they have, like, the sores and stuff that is just, like, bursting. Blech. 
the cheesy lines. Like, it's accurate, but it's almost accurate to a fault. Um, But then there's other times where, like, the craziness just fucking works. And you can do shitty things like putting your protagonist on a little kid's motorbike and your other protagonist like you said has a table leg for an actual leg and then a machine gun for an actual leg like it it does the stuff that it's intended to do well well um any movie that (laughs) just will randomly run over a good guy's dog (laughs) that was sad and and one of the protagonist's child shoots themselves in the fucking head on accident when it's obviously so so I don't know how I can say that was like my favorite part of the movie. Oh it's my not, god, you're but, such a no, dick. So here, here's what I mean by that. Here's what I mean is that it obviously it's obvious it's gonna happen, right? Like it's blatant because she takes uh the doctor character takes so much time with her son in the front seat of the car. Saying, like, if your dad, especially if your dad comes around and you shoot him in the head, you be very careful, yada, yada, yada. Don't shoot yourself. Don't shoot yourself. And in any other movie, like, they would set that up and they would play out exactly this way it plays out where, like, the gun goes off and she comes back and it's like, oops, sorry, mom, thought I saw something. Ha ha, you know what I mean? Like, they're not going to kill the fucking kid. You didn't think we'd kill the fucking koala, would you? Oh, you know, Fort Fairlane. Uh, and then this, no, the kid fucking <laughs> shoots himself and he's dead. Now, I will say from my research, I believe in the Planet Terror standalone movie, there's a post credit scene where he has survived and he's like on that island that they inhabit later on with all of his pets and stuff. So I think the, uh, the intention was to like swerve revealed that he survived somehow. How? I don't fucking know. Is then that... the bitch leaves him in the fucking burning barbecue joint. Well, I'm sure there was like a cutaway where like he she takes him. I don't fucking know. I'm just telling you. Also, what does it matter? It's Planet Terror. Like they can easily describe it. Like like oh, he got away. Done. They're not worried about continuity here. Um, Why not? It's a serious movie. Just the the buckets of blood just makes it an amazing fucking watch. Ugh. <laughs> um, and there's also. So for me, there's a lot of like, okay, skip. That's not what this movie's about. Like, I don't care what mysterious thing El Ray has been or El is up to. Ray. I don't care about like their relationship. Oh, like, you don't? That... But if they didn't have a relationship developed, then you wouldn't get the amazing line of, you know, the, the rule of threes. He has to say, I never miss. And senior, he knocked that bitch up. He fucked her and he didn't miss. And he inseminated her, and then she has a baby. And he's if they didn't have that relationship developed, you wouldn't have gotten that gem. So I'm guessing you don't like that all that either. No, based on your tone. No, no, I don't. No, I don't. I do like the quote unquote romance between um, the doctors, Josh Brolin and uh, Marley Shelton. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I like that. I thought that was really good. It was a nice B plot that I wish had more time. And I do too because I really thought that they had great chemistry. I thought they did a really good job. And Josh Brolin is fucking terrifying. Those no two, matter what he does. Those two fucking get it. Like they got so, it. So, like, so. 
I really enjoyed watching them. Brolin is one of my main MVP candidates. I, I mean, wish he was in it more. I do too. He just he like every line delivery. It. Like I can close my eyes and picture ten different people for, like from that era, those type of movies, nope. doing that. Nope. It's like and, I mean, and he just he just fits. I feel like he came out of nowhere. Like well, I feel like he came out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden he's fucking. Tommy Lee Jones Jr. He's fucking Thanos. He's fucking everybody. So this, I mean, this was his I year. Mean, like I know, but so, I, I just feel like he appeared and like a funny, funny story again about this movie. So he uh, had to do his No Country for Old Men audition while he was filming Grindhouse. So he told he told you know Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino was doing it. So Marley Shelton like ran lines for him as Kelly McDonald's character. I believe uh, Tarantino, one of the two of them shot it. The other one edited it. They put like a score to it. Like they Amazing. produced a full like audition, audition tape. tape for it. If he hadn't gotten it after that. So when the Coen brothers got it, their response was, well, who fucking lit it? <laughs> it's like, you got all this. Tell me who you had the best like lighting person in the business That's to do it. Awesome. But yeah, like he, I mean, figure he was Goonies. And then I'm sure he did other stuff to like on I his know. ascent. But this and Grindhouse and Milk all happened within like two years of one another. Amazing. And yeah, he's, he's amazing yeah, in this. Yeah, he really I, is. He's just... The right kind of terrifying, but then you're like, okay, this, this guy knows what he's fucking doing. He's yeah. the infectious disease doctor or whatever, you know? I wish you got more of him and less of Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah, I agree. I love Bruce Willis. And that's to say, like, Josh Brolin is in this movie more than Bruce Willis. Don't get me wrong. But even in the two or three scenes I got of Bruce Willis, I'm like, I don't need Bruce Willis in this. It could have been anybody. You it didn't just, have to be Bruce Willis. You can just see Bruce Willis practicing for what his current career is in this movie right now. Because this is basically what he does for a living. Is what, just show up and be Bruce Willis? You saw the Razzies this year, right? So the Razzies, which are a bunch of horse shit that don't really matter nowadays, but the Razzies created a character, uh, created a category this year called Worst Performance by Bruce Willis in a Bruce Willis direct-to-DVD movie, and it's himself ten times, because he had ten direct-to-DVD movies come out this year. You're fucking kidding No, really? here, I'm going to pull them all really? up right now. That's what Keep he does. Keep getting Keep getting them checks, What's, Bruce Willis. He's got like five kids. He's he got paid alimony to Demi Moore. By Demi all Moore. accounts, Demi Moore has got it made. She got the money from Bruce Willis and Ashton. A Kutcher. miserable prick to deal with. He does these movies literally for the money. He's on set two days. They pay him a couple million bucks, and he has no. Okay. I would like to show up somewhere yeah. for two days and get a couple million dollars. So this year, I would also be an asshole. This is amazing. So this year, he was in. Cosmic Sin as James Ford, Out of Death as Jack Harris, Midnight in the Switchgrass as Carl Helter, Survive the Game as David Watson, Apex as Thomas Malone, Deadlock as Ron Whitlock, and Fortress as Robert. He was in eight movies, I apologize. You're fucking kidding me. But next year, two, four, six, he has another eight movies that are already in post-production. American Siege, Gasoline Alley, A Day to Die, Vendetta, Fortress 2, The Wrong Place, Die Like Lovers, and Corrective Measures. And these movies aren't even well, like, reviewed at all. No, oh no, they're all absolutely horrible. Do do you think that they make a box set? Fuck you, no, no, I have, I have fucking limits, and that, these fucking Bruce Willis movies. Every time I go to the dollar store, you try to buy another bad movie for us to watch. and by that I mean they're a dollar, so my limit is the price of it, and I won't get these movies if they're regular price. 
Uh, yeah, he's not very good in this movie. Uh, he's ultimately not going to be my LVP, but he just doesn't fit, especially at this time. Like, I've, I've, yeah, not for me. Um, I was getting to earlier, the thing that's surprising is there is a decent amount of, like, minor heart in this movie. I love the sheriff character and JT, like, the brothers kind of, like, dying together. Aww. And the through line about, like, the barbecue recipe and right, stuff. like started at 2.50. Yeah, that's sweet. Like, that, that, like, that's, that's... It was a really sweet unexpected. moment. Unexpected. Yeah. And then it's followed up with Naveen Andrews anticlimactically <laughs> getting his head separated from his body. Um, and I, I said anticlimactic. So it's weird to call any of this anticlimactic, but the way that the movie kind of, like, wraps up to me is, is like, the end end is very anticlimactic oh in that God, absolutely. you have, you know... They go to fucking Machu Picchu. Well, well, sorry, so the end end, the end end. The end end being Machu Picchu and them, like, re... Uh, what is the phrase I'm looking for? Populating. Repopulating the planet, of course. But even prior to that, like, Josh Berlin's doctor character somehow makes it onto this military base to stalk his wife, and then he just gets shot a few times by Michael Park's character... El Rey gets taken out by a random, you know, zombie with a gun, basically. And they just, they don't have, like, this big elaborate plan to get out. They just kind of get out. Rose McGowan just fucking lifts her, splits her legs open and shoots everybody. Well, it's better she did that then than the totally gross in ten different ways rape scene, which is by far my least favorite part of the movie. Um, Between her and... Quentin Tarantino, and then his like droopy goo penis ball thing. Oh, you thing. didn't like that? That was my favorite part. <laughs> Why? Because that was just an actual representation of what Quentin Tarantino's penis probably looks like. Probably. Um. Yeah, it's it's a lot. So if if we had to, if we were going to separate it, let's talk about MVPs and LVPs for Planet Terror. Um. I think. I think. I'm I'm between two for MVP for Planet Terror. Like I said, we already talked about Josh Brolin. I think he's he just gets it. He's ominous. He's creepy, and he's also he brings gravitas because he's Josh fucking Brolin. Exactly. I'm usually not a fan of Rose McGowan, but I think she works very well in this movie. I think as it went on, she got better. Yeah, which I, is important. She and that, it may be like I was like, oh, Rose McGowan. I, she ult- she ultimately Charm. might end up being like who I really pitched to be MVP because she's one of uh, I think only two people that are in both movies, and she it's a great juxtaposition between one character and the other, and she just fits the aesthetic and the delivery of both characters. So I like I, I mean, like yeah I think she did a a fine job. I like yeah. her like callbacks like the. Go go, not cry cry, and like yeah, she like she sure. It's not her fault that they made her have a machine gun leg. Yeah, you can't, really. <laughs> can't hold that. That's really fucking cool. Like what's what's not? How cool do you about control? This? How the fuck she control it? I'm guessing that there's some. I'm not gonna William Regal how do you analyze know? this. How how do you know though? He just stuck it on a stump that they conveniently put on yeah. her on her leg. Just shoved it on there. There wasn't any wiring done or anything like that. You didn't even tell her how to control it. She just all of a sudden came. There was a grenade, and then there was like a fire launcher. Then there was bullets. You are never ever, ever getting back together. Allowed 
to question any nitpicks I have about any movies Why? ever again. That's a legitimate this nitpick. This is fucking Grindhouse, man. There's, it doesn't need to make fucking sense. It still needs to make sense. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You're a hypocrite. I'm not a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. I'm not. If, if I'm nitpicking or trying to make sense of how something works in a movie that's rooted in reality, then then I have every right to do but so. But it's the reality of that movie. It's not necessarily... Why is your reality... Reality the doesn't reality? exist here. Nope, nope. There's some things you just throw reality right out the fucking window. Whenever you are there, you fucking go with it. Grindhouse is definitely one All right, of I can't wait to throw this conversation back in your face. What episode is this? 380-something, I think. No, I need the exact number so I can... I'll tell you later. No, tell me now. How about you actually listen to the fucking podcast no, or do something besides just record on it? That's a lot of work. And then work. you'll know, like, that's what it is. a lot of work. And I don't like to listen to my own voice. Well, that makes two of us. Um, here's something that I didn't realize until like we watched this again. Both movies happen like in modern times, and for Tarantino, that's really hard to like take in now because all of his movies are, for lack of a better term, like period pieces. The last movie he did that was like in current times would have been Kill Bill, because Kill Bill technically still happens in like. Mm. 2004 yeah. when it was made. Besides that, you'd have to go back to Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown. Everything else has been these um, rewriting history movies. Uh, historical fiction yeah. movies. Um, so it was kind of trippy to see that for Death Proof because also both these are taking off of a certain genre. So I think that would have been a little better if like, like Planet Terror could have easily taken place in the 70s. You know what I mean? Like it's still got the look and the feel for it. But then when you have characters like typing on their cell phones or referencing, yeah, but come on, you know, it, Lindsay Lohan and Osama bin Laden. It wasn't two thousand and twenty-two. I'll tell you that. No, but the it's fucking Nokia. It still fucking, feels you inauthentic. Hit it three times. It still felt inauthentic to me from the, the from the general Suspend presentation. Your reality. Eat every your bit of my ass. But why? Why is me nitpicking at a machine gun leg? Because it doesn't actually exist in the real world. But, but cell people phones... people using old, outdated cell phones? What? I will never understand you. I will never understand you. Fifteen years later. Let's just call the whole thing off. <laughs> that was great group mind. <laughs> You're taking your ring off. I was going to do the same no, thing. I just but it's not even it. on. Yeah, I just don't wear it. What's that on your finger? Hmm? Why'd you get the sticker on your finger Some for? Some bitch gave this to me. No, the sticker on your finger, you dumbass. Oh, <laughs> you're referring to the ring. It fell off the box. Leave me alone. Weren't you just yelling at me the other day for that, the same thing happening? Yeah, you touched this a minute ago and you probably messed it up. Uh, who's your LVP for uh, Planet Terror? Chris Mullet. Thanks. Uh, El Ray. Yeah, it was not a big Freddy El- Rodriguez. El Ray. He was trying Way and too he and hard. Rose McGowan have no chemistry. Yeah, and at it, it, all. it's all it's all him too. It's all. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, because she had chemistry with everybody else. Like, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, he he was bad, was and bad. even just like I said before, his delivery of his three masterpiece lines, I never miss. The the I scene, never miss. So there may be a leash you need to give him because. That's kind of how those characters in those movies 
are. Sure, anyone else could have done that. But fucking Rey Mysterio could have done that. It would have been more fucking enjoyable, and I would have been able to see his face the whole time. Because uh, he's a luchador. Could have seen a luchador do this, it would have been better. Would have been great. Well, they, they should have done that. They Like, the luchador movies of the 50s and 60s Oh my god, that would have been really good. Uh, he's definitely one... I mean, I'm not going to ever take an opportunity to not say Quentin Tarantino's the worst actor in a movie. I mean, he's bad. He's pretty bad. He. Oh, I guess I better make it quick then. Is so bad. I just don't understand why he always insists on being in his own movie. So he doesn't anymore. Like, so the last He doesn't thing, anymore? So the last, so in Django Unchained, the only reason he was in Django Unchained is because whoever the original actor was got sick or like oh, couldn't yeah, do yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, because. I think it might have been Michael Madsen or oh, something. Oh, sure, 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 because if Quentin Tarantino or Leonardo DiCaprio or Jamie Foxx or Christoph Waltz called any of their friends, no one else could have come to do that part. You telling me that? You telling me that none of them had friends that could have done it? You telling me Seth Rogen was unavailable? So 2008. Jonah seven, Hill was unavailable? 2007, two, no, no, wrong, wrong time period. He's one of the worst actors ever. Uh, and the problem is he always gets like these verbose, like, soliloquies that only, that to- only he can say. But only Except he can the say one them because in Pulp Fiction, because that's the way he writes it. Because <laughs> that Pulp Fiction scene, he really shouldn't be the only one saying sure, it. Sure, of course, of course, he shouldn't be. Right, um, as you found out. In just our I found out as it was assigned to me in acting class. You know, you know how demoralizing it is when you're in an acting class and the teacher loves Quentin Tarantino and she gives out all these monologues to other people. From Pulp Fiction, like the, I got the, the Fox fa- Force Five I got the Fox monologue, Force Five. The, the 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 Christopher Walken Watch monologue, and I get the Quentin Tarantino dead, dead. storage monologue. Yep. To perform, and there were black people in our yeah, class. Yeah, there one hundred percent was. There were black people in our class. There was. Who would have, you know, had an easier time with that material. Or you know what? There's other movies. <laughs> like there's other movies that have existed in the movies, world. And there's also other monologues in that movie. The, uh, give me. Give and me. Kathy was a real. That was a her. Well, obviously she was name. a bad teacher because here we are doing a podcast and not <laughs> acting for the camera. But um, she could have given me fucking Jules's speech at the end of the movie. I would have rather. Being a black character doing a monologue that I could have said in any way, and it didn't matter what the race of it really was, as opposed to the monologue I was given. Now, could I probably have said something about it in retrospect that I'm thinking about it? Yeah, I probably could have been I mean, like, you were like 22, yeah, probably. But I was like, the teacher gave me this monologue. I guess I have to fucking do it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, diatribe aside, uh, I'm gonna once we're done with Death Proof because he's also in Death Proof. I'm gonna push very hard. Quentin Tarantino is the LVP of this movie, 100%. He's the worst actor on screen, and there's some bad actors in the second movie yeah, as well. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll but have a debate. It's it's him. We'll it's, get, it's we'll him. have a debate. We'll have a debate. It'll we'll talk him. about it when we get there. Uh, anything else on uh, Planet Terror? Not for now. So uh, we may need okay. to come back to it, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, so then you get the best part of the movie. My favorite The trailers. Part, my favorite trailer is don't. is don't. Because I love 
Edgar Wright. Don is per- absolutely perfect. He's fantastic no matter what he does. It's legitimately funny and scary and just immaculately put together. You get it right away. Yeah. And like then you have like the character, like his actors pop up sure. basically. And it's a great like little throwback and stuff. But it's the best preview it's in my opinion i love that preview um werewolf woman of the ss is not my favorite i i'm like what the fuck is this i believe i'm not mistaken <laughs> too much nazis <laughs> too many nazis samantha canal uh, samantha canal samantha <laughs> mull's been saying it forever since she was samantha canal uh i believe robert Z- like robert zombie <laughs> robert zombie esquire rob <laughs> zombie made like 30 minutes of that movie they just like had too, way too much fun and footage doing it. That's insane. I, it's not my favorite, but I can dig it for the fact that it was the first movie to predict what an actor was going to do for the next 15 years of their lives with Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu, <laughs> uh, which he just did 100% for free slash the outfit. Um, Absolutely. My favorite is Thanksgiving. It's the best thing Eli Roth has ever done. <laughs> it is the most perfect it's so parody, fucked up, twisted. It's the... it's. Of everything, think of everything in this movie. And this was what almost got this movie in NC-17. Because somebody's fucking the turkey at the end. Or somebody's head or something. No, so so the pilgrim, uh, the, 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 the killer, uh, is butt-fucking a turkey that has a human head on it. Ah, and I believe, thank you for clearing that And up. I believe the, he's making a mocking gobble, gobble, gobble as he does it. <laughs> Which is great. Uh, that's always even the thing. I mean, that doesn't help. You also see a like a a, a human sized turkey like knotted up like on the table. That wasn't even the thing that got it. It was the the knife through the pussy that was because it shows like high no, school kids. No, I saw. Kids. I know. Yep. 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 Oh, and I'm about to get my period too, so I really don't want to have this conversation. Please don't talk about a knife going up a pussy. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to like ex- like and go into blood. details. Of it. So they don't. You don't get any of that. You get like a yeah, grindhousey edit. Feel it. What has a sound effect, which Ugh. is great. And you see the knife like sticking Ugh. through the 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 trampoline. God. It's just I love Thanksgiving. What would you do if that was a guy and it was a dick? And I would have the same reaction as you. Dickhole. But you don't bleed out your fucking dick every month. Oh, I did see a movie. <laughs> 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 I knew I was forgetting something. I watched Jackass Forever last week. And that's all we have to say about that. No, no, I'm going to quickly give a recap. Uh, well, no, you can't do it now. We're fucking 45 minutes uh, into fuck the fuck fucking em. podcast. Yeah, fuck them. Um, I went by myself. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I love the Jackass movies. I grew up on the Jackass show. I've seen every Jackass movie. Well, I've seen Jackass 2, 3, and now 4 in theaters, happily. It's just so much goddamn fun. Like... It's not even the stunts and the and what they do. And there are some very clever ones in this, just like there have been throughout all the movies. But it's just friends together, laughing, shitting on each other. It makes it an amazing experience. It was me and, like, one male and female couple and two other, like, like sets of dudes. And Why so what, they... that's two, four, so there were seven Why people. Why weren't they, they, they couples? Well, they could have been. I doubt it. Um... So it was seven people the in the theater, audience. and honestly, it sounded like there was like fifty or sixty really? people in there. Like it, it, everyone's laughing. The thing that made me uh, 
remember that I saw it. Basically, what you're saying is uh, there's an updated version of the cup test where uh, Aaron McGahee gets like punched by an MMA fighter, gets like a softball thrown at his junk at a cup. And the final stunt is he gets a pogo stick to the dick. And he literally like cuts his ball sack open and the cameraman like <laughs> throws up behind his mask <laughs> watching it. So when he said bloody penis, I'm like, oh yeah, I saw a movie. So yeah, check out Jackass Forever because we have it in our movie league and it's a lot of fun. And if you like Jackass guys, you're going to have a good time. But uh, Thanksgiving is my Gross. favorite. Thanksgiving is my favorite of any of the trailers. It's so fucking twisted and wonderful. It, it's great. Um, Death Proof. We already talked about a movie opening with feet. Or Quentin Tarantino, what could be better? Why is this the worst Quentin Tarantino movie? Because. Wow. Expert. Sh- Shannon They Benet. said Roger Ebert died, but... I think she, he just got reincarnated. You know why this is the worst movie? Because Quentin Tarantino stole one of his characters' names from a child show that my daughter likes to watch that I try to stop her from watching called The Shanna Show. My name is Shanna. It rhymes with banana. And they're like, yeah, Shanna, like banana. That's why. So glad you take this as a serious assignment. I um, do. Because then that song was stuck in my head. And then I was just like, oh, that now Mullet's going to start singing... My name is Shane. Rhymes with brain. Uh, <laughs> have a better brain. Um, this is just fucking boring. It's just, I just don't like the first part of it. Like the first What do you mean half? the first hour? <laughs> the first half with like Jungle Julia, Julia Gulia and like her friends. I just thought that was boring. That That character that they like wanted to be the center of this first part of the movie, I just didn't like her. I just I didn't like didn't any of think them. Uh, here's a little a literal note that I wrote down. Man, I feel a lot better about how I write women in my screenplays after both of these scenes. <laughs> it just it feels incredibly False. And I don't think that Quentin Tarantino has a hard time writing female characters. Uh, he... I, I think he... Uma Thurman is it. Right. That's it. Honestly. Blueberry pie! Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a little bit, even though I think it could be expanded upon, but Shoshana in Glorious Bastards. Yeah. But th- that's not a lot to work with. They, like... There's no... I don't get what the meaning of any of it is. So they they spend, like, not hyperbole, 30 minutes with these characters just at this bar, with these guys, talking about their lives, and there's no... It's not an allegory. It, like, there's nothing. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing there. There's nothing that connects it to what's about to happen. So then you spend this all guy this, shows up. She so spent all this time with them, only to viciously lose them shortly thereafter. And you don't really feel anything for or care because you've basically been wasting all this time with them at this you're, point. You're but also of, they weren't interesting characters to begin with. Right. They had gross death scenes. That was kind of like the investment, like, ooh, ah, like you weren't reacting to the characters dying. You're, you're like, you're oh no, to like, Jungle Julie wanted to 
to make it big. Yeah, no, your reaction what happened to like, butterfly? oh, her, so, oh, her leg got her leg. fucking severed and th- flew through the air. So, exactly. I knew that was coming, and I had to. I have to say this. So that. So when we were watching the credits, Sydney Poitier comes up, and you're like, huh? I'm like, not that Sydney Poitier. It's spelled differently. The male Sydney. It's the male versus the female spellings of Sydney's. That is Sydney Poitier's daughter. <laughs> Who he just named after himself, which is weird. No, you do what you do. But you here's Poitier, you rest do in it. peace, Poitier. But here's what I my thing. That means he definitely saw this movie. <laughs> the, the, the image, the thought of Sidney Poitier watching Grindhouse tickles me so much. <laughs> you know, his daughter was like, "I got in a Quentin Tarantino movie." He's like, "That's great," and he sat down and watched. Maybe not all three hours, but he at least watched Death Proof. And that's fucking bonkers to me. At least. Oh, man. I I will happily watch Death Proof again as I watch Sidney Poitier watch Death Proof. Um, But yeah, it... Yeah, so so like you didn't really know what was happening, and then it's like, oh, this guy's just like joshing well, him. You know what's happening. You well, just like, don't know why. why. Like, right, you don't know why this guy's like stalking him or joshing him or anything, and then... It's, I mean, it's really just for... His, Shits like, and giggles. Well, it's it's kind of what like so there is a connection between Planet Terror and Death Proof in the Michael Parks uh, cop character because uh, it the first scene or the first half of Death Proof takes place where Planet Terror is taking place prior to Planet Terror breaking out with Marley Shelton as Doctor character and Michael Parks the cop character is her father and he he pretty much knows exactly what's going on some man Mike's going around killing these girls but he can never prove it because they're always liquored up and he always survives and yada 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 so like that's like but you it, don't find out that until afterwards well yeah but he, but he surmises that he's just doing it because he, he like he gets off on it get, he likes the adrenaline his, the thrill yep, and, you know yep. it, it is what it is right. um, but there's no explanation or there's no aha or hidden meaning behind anything those girls are talking about to lead you to that point. The, the, the scene, the, the car chase is very terrifying. Like Rose McGowan does a great job of selling like that impending doom. And Kurt Russell is a awesome, scary badass in, in you know, establishing what that car is and what's going to happen. And then of course it, it's crazy to see these characters we've spent so much time with viciously and unceremoniously killed the way they are. But you're just like, okay, and this is... And then what? And this is supposed... And, the, and then what is that we just get an, to Another see it again? Another set of characters. And, and, and they have even longer, more nonsensical, non-sequitur right. conversations that are even worse because it's all about just fucking dudes. Well, it's worse for you. I mean... <laughs> but You're trying to write for women. I know. And... Full disclosure, like, seeing that scene honestly makes me want to rethink and rework, essentially, what would be the first scene that I'm writing in my next thing that I'm working on. Because through watching it, it felt... Inauthentic. Yeah, it felt... like. Do women talk like that? Sure. Yes. Is that all they talk about? No. No. And, And I think there's a way to do it, but... It shouldn't be Quentin Tarantino and me writing it and doing it. Right. You know what I mean? It's already a problem. Like, the the minor problem I have with Euphoria is that it's a white guy, like, writing all this. And I know a lot of the girls and the characters on the show have pretty significant say and influence. influence on it. But at the end of the day, 
it's not to say it can never be done, but if you're going to do it, you better not fucking miss. I, and all of that in the car between all four of them going through their little spiel and then getting a Reservoir Dogs rotating camera scene in a diner that's just more bullshit. It's all dribble. It's all just mindless fucking drivel. I, I read something um, on Facebook about, you know, Hollywood keeps like remaking movies or like, you know, redoing things and adding people of color or like, you know, mm-hmm. right. And, you know, but these are still stories that were written by, you know, white men, white women, yeah. you know, white people. And you're just putting people of color into this situation rather than giving money to the people who to, do represent that, right. right? And so I think that, that that's a super important message. And I think like that authenticity, and I think we've talked a lot about it on the podcast lately too. It's like that authenticity is so important. Mm-hmm. Like connecting with the material and also like the person acting it needs to connect to it so they can portray it because like like we talked about like part of the reason probably why this didn't set itself apart from the other movies it was supposed to be paying an homage to is because it was just like all of them right yeah like i i think that's part of it but that's not that's not for this podcast no no 100 but um, what is for this podcast is the most probably bigger than supersize me the best subliminal messaging of a movie i've ever seen in my entire life uh, and by that I mean I think I've referenced it on the show before and we'll do it when we eventually watch Super Size Me. Every time I've watched the movie Super Size Me, I go get fucking McDonald's. <laughs> like, I just don't know oh, what yeah. it is. Uh, we saw this movie, like I said, in a big group of people. It was you, me, my roommates <laughs> at the time. All former all former or future guests on the show, essentially. Tony Colt, uh, our guest in uh, May, Keith Matavin. Uh, I don't think Rich was probably with us at that point. Um, or he might have been. I'd have, I'd have to check my early poop report. But, um... <laughs> Afterwards, we all went to the Ale House, which was right by the theater. And you best believe that at least three or four people got the biggest fucking plate of nachos <laughs> after watching Death Proof. Because nobody, nobody has eaten nachos on screen more sensually and more voraciously then Kurt Russell eats nachos in this fucking That's movie. just how he eats nachos. As soon as it came like on... Goldie Hawn loves him. We watched it at like 11.30 last night, and I was like, I want some fucking cheesy ass... I almost went to fucking Alehouse to get fucking a big-ass thing of fucking nachos. It's just impressive. When that's like the most impressive thing about your movie, you're fucking up. Um, but I, I mentioned it earlier. Like, the way... The kind of the anti-climax of the movie is the same thing here. Two phenomenal car chase sequences. Wonderfully put together. Shot gorgeously. The great... It's almost too good because we gotta remember you're supposed to be making a grindhouse movie. By that point in the movie, like all the aesthetic stuff of the camera, like it's just gone. Like he's just shooting in his like... High definition. Not high definition, but like for what we've been seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crystal clear picture and it's like... Why? Like, why are you now being, like, kind of, like, illegitimate to what you've been building up to this entire time? Um, because, you, I think we're kind of bouncing back and forth a little bit too much, that you meet these other group of women who, these women are all in the entertainment business. You have an actress, a, a hair and makeup person, and then two stunt women. 
who are doing this elaborate stunt just for shits and giggles. They get the they get this uh, vintage car from the creepy guy from the Adam Sandler movies. Um, who Quentin Tarantino loves putting in his fucking movies for whatever fucking reason, and then oddly leaves with Mary Elizabeth Winstead, um, who we just never see again never in see a very it. disgusting moment. Um, so you get these two great scenes, and then it, to me, like the ending of it, like totally, it falls apart even more beyond like just how long it took us to get these little pockets of action and excitement because. It just feels, like, too silly. Like, he's just... For this one, he wasn't trying to kill him. He was just like, wow, that was fun. See you later. And he gets shoot in the arm. And then, like, it kind of betrays to me. I, I, did, I didn't read it as, like, Stuntman Mike is, like, a piece of shit, both in terms of his MO, but also his, like, personality. Like, he turns into a wimping... A whimpering, simple yeah. bitch at the end. Like yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's bawling his eyes out, like 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 pouring alcohol on his arm, like begging, and like I, it just felt like such an odd like shift that just didn't feel like what I wanted to happen and what I thought we were going to get. I think that's a fair assessment. Like 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 the camera work is great. But then, like, they just beat him up in a circle. He falls down, and you get the end. And then you get one little quick, like, heel through the face. And then it's just over. And it's like, what if we extrapolated yeah. that and, and not and, and not the about, 45 minutes of these characters' backstories? Right, and nothing about these women's backstories would lead us to believe that that's something that they would do. Yeah. yeah that's, like, yes, like, they're stunt women. And, yes, they're in hair and makeup, but... Let's go kill him. Yeah, like that—that that was unbelievable. Particularly, I my particularly yet. all three of those women. Like, I, and I don't mean that, like, like how they look and stuff, but like the way they're performing and acting. It, all three of them—Rosario Dawson, Zoe Bell, and Tracy Toms—are just over the top and not great in their roles. Look, Zoe Bell should have stayed a stunt woman. Let me tell you something. I'm so glad it's it's that obvious. She's just not an actress. She's just. A- She's very awkward. It's because she's just herself. Yeah, it's she's like, not trying. She's not playing. No, she's not. She is Zoe Bell. I know she's herself. Yeah, but like she's not even trying. Like it's like you know how there are certain people who always play like the same character in a movie. Yes, but like you know that they're playing a character. She's doing that, but she's not playing a character. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. And then you have the flip side of it, which is Tracy Toms, which is playing a character so so far from what man, like she actually is. Five hundred thousand. Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred f bombs and n bombs from Tracy Toms in this movie. Mm, she wanted. She was real horny. You could tell that Quentin Tarantino was like, "Oh fuck, I just wrote a part for Samuel L. Jackson, but it's a woman stunt." A stunt woman who's black. I'll figure it out. Yeah, it just... None of it works. Yeah. It it just makes for a a fucking slog of a watch. Yeah, it just was... I was just like, okay. Had the order been different, I think it would have been better. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I just think that you have... I think that you have three people. Like, there, there was nothing... Holding them together. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like, with the three ways that they chose to portray their characters, like, I just, 
didn't feel connected to any of them, and I didn't feel like they oh, were really connected absolutely. to no. each other. Yeah, no. Either, you're, like... And then you're wasting all this time, like, the debate on, like, if they're going to do the ship mask stunt, and then you have to have the whole three-way dialogue about how Rosario Dawson wants to be involved, and it's just a lot of fucking talking heads to get to a decent stunt and a decent amount of payoff, but then you just revert back to underdeveloped horseshit. Um... The MVP of Death Proof is Kurt Russell. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he's, he's the coolest guy in the room. And that's absolutely. why it's... That's why it's... in my misgivings about the writing of the character at the end, like, he's doing it to the fucking hilt. He's, oh. like, a, a weepy little and bitch. I mean, I can kind of see, like, he's, like, supposed to be portraying this big, tough stuntman. And when he finally gets, like, challenged. Cool. And then when he gets challenged or when he actually gets hurt... He's like a big pussy. Yeah. Like I, I could see if that was the intent. I, I could, could, I could, I could, I could go. I could, it. I could go there, but like it just was also abrupt and right. It was right, done it. to a, like eleven when like had it progressed. Right. Had it started at a two. Yeah. You mean like this six. is the first time right. like this has happened? Right. Right. I mean, right. he's regularly crushing his car and like, ending up in the hospital. Like, if they, like, establish something then, right? like, like, like he, sure, he's hysterically crying better. as a cut on his finger or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Then I could have gotten behind Give me a little an, That's perfect. Easier. Give me an escalation. You see the aftermath right. of him flipping his car, and, like, I think it said, I think, like, Michael Park says, like, he, like, like partially severed a finger or something. Like, show that, and be like, oh, 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 no, like, like, not to the point he is at the end after right, he gets right. shot, like, but, like, show me that establishing, at, like, yeah. And then bring it to yeah. the 11. And then I think I would have gotten behind that a little bit more. But I still think you're right. He does a great job with what he's given and with, he's, like, being this, like, psychotic stuntman who stalks these girls and then, like, just kills them for shits and giggles. And he's just somebody that just, just like Samuel L. Jackson, just like Uma Thurman, he just gets Tarantino dialogue. Gets it. He and gets he just it. delivers it so fucking well. He, Even when he's doing, like, a stupid monologue as John Wayne about uh, a, a book. book of every person that he's met. Like, it, he's foreboding how and scary, much, but he's so charismatic. How much fun do you think he and Goldie Hawn have? Oh, a lot. And by that, I mean they do drugs every day. <laughs> hey, I mean, Hey, let's call Kate. But, you know, look at that fam. Kate, Oliver, Wyatt. Oliver, they got a good-ass family. You just mentioned Oliver Hudson. Where should I know Oliver Hudson from? He's I'll an tell actor. You. Yeah, but in what? I don't know, some, like, rom-coms, I think? Okay, here's how I know Oliver Hudson. How you know Oliver Hudson? In 2004... You met him? No. Uh, I did on my TV screen, uh, the 2004 World Series of Poker main event. So the, the poker boom happened in 2003, right? So 2004 is, like, the, the, the second year. Like, everybody's watching it. And it's the day one coverage of the main event, and he's at the feature table with uh, Sammy Farha, who was the runner-up the previous year. Yeah, yeah. It's the first hand of the tournament, and they both flop rival full houses. But Sammy Farha has the nut full house and knocks Oliver Hudson out on the first hand of the main event. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, and the guy's like, oh, my. He kind of sounds like McConaughey a little bit. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Just gets up. And he's like, first hand. It's like, oh, wait, you're a fucking millionaire because of your parents, so you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, that's how I know. That's why when you said Oliver Hudson, like I thought, oh, I only knew who Oliver Hudson was. Uh, no. LVP of 
death proof. I mean, I, I could go with either Zoe Bell or Tracy Toms for the reasons we just said. But then yet again, here I am pointing out that Quentin Tarantino plays a bartender in this movie and gives incredibly fucking ear-shattering line deliveries about Stuntman Mike and TV shows and whatever fucking nonsense he talks about. And it's like, why did you have to be in this? Just stop it. We don't often do this, but on top of his acting, I feel like it's appropriate to name him the overarching LVP of this for Death Proof as a whole. I think that's enough if you combine his acting I mean, but in w- both movies and his role in everything. But would you be saying that if this wasn't Quentin Tarantino? Like, if yes. this was Bob Smith and the same kind of, like, boring, like, if Bob Smith, meh movie. If Bob, Smith, if Bob Smith was as bad of an actor... In, his, in in what I was watching, but, and, and I knew... And forgetting that, like, Tarantino's done some of our favorite movies and some of the most groundbreaking movies of the last decade, two decades, whatever. Imagine, this is, uh, this is always my argument back on it, imagine if in that bartender scene they'd put, like, just throwing a name out there, like, Burt Reynolds, or, like, a star of his time, like of this time period, quote unquote, that they're homaging to, or even like somebody like uh, I'm trying to think of an example. That fucking like Burt Reynolds from like The Longest Yard, I could no. totally see it. But you know what I mean, like somebody who no. you recognize. Yes. Same thing with, uh, so say they gave that rapist number one part to uh, even somebody like Michael Bean, who's like the sheriff character, like somebody that has like some gruffness or like some intimidation to fucking Josh Brolin, for lack of a better. A choice. He drags it down so much because you recognize him and you have an expectation and then you always forget, oh, wait, fuck, he's a terrible actor. Like, he's way better behind the camera. Yes. And he's a detriment to the overall project because he, he takes wrote and directed it. Death Proof. Yeah, he takes he ta- it he, out of Yeah, it. He, as soon as you see him, you're like, oh, I already know I'm not going to like this scene. Okay. So that's why... And he's in both. So he has more time to be worse than Zoe Bell, who is trying her best. But it's still It's still not shitty. enough. Tracy Thompson, really who is trying shitty. too much. And um I don't Freddie know what's worse. Re- and Freddie Rodriguez, who I can't decipher if just he wasn't a good actor or if he was trying to purposely not go for being a good actor because that's what that kind of movie would the call former. for. The former. So so that's why I'm saying Tarantino. All right. I wore you down. You wore me down. Okay, well, in response to that, then, I'll give, if you, who do you feel for MVP across all of them? That's hard. See, I asked you at the very, like, if we were doing, kind of in the middle, yeah. like, are, how are we doing this? Are we doing this as two? Are we doing this as one? Just as one. So that's tough because, to me, they're not, like, a continuous piece. Like, they're very distinct parts, and I, I mean, I really love... Josh Brolin's performance in mm-hmm. um, Misty... Marley Shelton. Mar- Marley... Sh- sh- Marley Shelton. Mar- Wendy Marley Peppercorn Shelton. in The Sandlot. Yeah. yeah. Marley Shelton. Um, 
I really love both of them mm-hmm. in, in, in um, Planet Terror. I think they do a good job. Made a good case for Rose McGowan, though. Um, I don't think it's anyone from Death Proof, although Kurt Russell tries. As good as Kurt Russell is, I agree. As good as he is, I, yeah, I, I think agree. he's not on the same level as them because it's not as good of a movie overall as Planet Terror is, unfortunately. But I really feel Josh Brolin. I'm willing to go there. I'll give it to you. Because... At the end of three hours, he's the person that stuck with me the most. I just remember that scene. I told you I'd find you. Because like, c- popping out that that, ele- that uh, helicopter. He's, yeah, exactly. You he, know? He is the person in his delivery and his demeanor who fits the most with just, what he like was with given. Them, like, with the, the thermometer in his mouth. He's who like, I remember at stuff. the end of all of this. And yeah. he's who I wanted in it more. Although, so. although Wendy Peppercorn did do a good job. Oh, Marley Shelton's very good. She, she's great. She's got a great look to her in this movie. She, she very does. much looks like that like surviving scream queen, if you will. Um, she has to do a lot of physical work as well because the, as you mentioned, like the shots, like basically paralyzing her hands for most of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. She, this sticker, it's the material of the movie. Is oh, it is. is it? Is it the material of the box? Yeah, it, is. it is. Shut up. I mean, the fact that we bought these stickers like seven years ago when we started the podcast, we still haven't gotten through like one pack of them. Uh, so this is the first MVP for Josh Brolin. First MVP well, for Josh but Brolin. But his dad, James Brolin, has one for Westworld. <laughs> yes. The Wait, first... really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have we not watched that many Josh Brolin movies? I think we have, but he just you know has not been the MVP of them. I mean, make sure he's not on the LVP list. I doubt he would be. I don't think he would be. Yeah, he's not. Well, we haven't he's watched some of the big ones. We're good, and I'm pretty sure I finally wore you down on Tarantino. Yeah, so we're good there. So all first-timers. Let's score it. Uh, I picked it, so you score it first. (sighs) Hang on, i got to update my notes. i got to think about this for a second. Um, You know, I mean, doing them both together, one is, is... Eh, one is a little bit better than eh, so it's hard to say. I, do, I don't want to kind of go in the middle, but I kind of want to go in the middle. I'm going to go with like a, a five and a half overall for both of them. So here here's how I came up with my score, right? Oh, God. So I would say that Planet Terror is a loud, close to successful homage and send up of its target and would probably be a fringe seven death proof is a below average boring mess that i would say is a four the trailers and the aesthetic that is presented to me is like a nine so i total that all up and average it out it is a basically equivalent to what my score will be which is a six and a half okay so it'll get a six for Grindhouse, which which I would say is very surprising, generous, generous and incredibly underwhelming for me. I've been excited to rewatch this, and as I watched it, I was like, it's just, yeah. the, the bloom is kind of off the rose for how this is. And I don't know if that means that we're, like, desensitized to, like, this level of violence and it's stuff. nothing to do with that for me. I think it's honestly execution and story is, is a lot of it. Because I, I can go all in on the violence and the gore and whatever it may be, as long as it is complete with a a story that I can dig. 
and it just didn't go that far. So, mm. uh, you know me, I love give me some gratuitous ass blood and guts and violence and everything else. I'm I'm all in, but can only go so far when it's. I also not, I don't think I'm just not a big Robert Rodriguez guy. Like so, I had El Rey, um, the channel for quite some time because that's where Lucha Underground was on. Yep, I know. I just got it too. Don't worry about it. Um, and it would always have like those, you know, bordello of blood and like these old like Hispanic and Southern and infused, you know, slasher, zombie, monster, gore fest. They're just not for me. And I, I that's what most of his stuff is. I haven't really been a big fan of when he's directed certain episodes of The Mandalorian. I can always kind of tell when it's his thing. Okay. And I'm just, just not a big Robert Rodriguez fan. So that's what leads us to uh, a kind of disappointing Grindhouse. Well, that was my, my, my nomination. We got several things coming on the pike here over the next few weeks. So the movie that I'm about to pick from the two that you nominate won't be watched for about two months, but nevertheless, I'm interested. This will basically be the movie that we're doing for our wedding anniversary. Ah, oh, good. That's... Es- essentially. Oh, I can switch the schedule. This will be the movie, yeah. I can switch the, it'll be airing on March 28th. So I can switch this movie with our guest star for September. So go ahead. Oh, God. I don't, I don't like fucking this. know. And now that's even more pressure. feel like it's got to be meaningful. Oh, no, it doesn't. I'm just saying. Oh, good, because i got to listen to movies here. I'm just going to read two of them all. Um, and I don't know if I've nominated these before, so you need to get your camp pick list, list and tell me if I've, if I've done these. Pleasantville? I do not believe you've nominated Pleasantville. Okay, so I would like to nominate Pleasantville. Okay. And I would like to nominate... Heartbreakers. We do not own Heartbreakers. We don't own Heartbreakers? Why the fuck we don't own Heartbreakers? You literally stood, because I don't, because fuck Heartbreakers. That's a great movie. You literally stood at that tower. I don't, you have two alphabetical lists, one for Blu-ray and one for DVD. So just go to the fucking H's in both fucking sections. I don't have time to look at them when I'm up there on work. What's your other movie? So Pleasantville and Mouse Hunt. You fucking kidding me? Well, because I thought we owned Heartbreakers Pleasantville. on this list. Pleasantville. Good, that's what I thought. Mouse Hunt? We own it. Why, Why do we own, own Mouse Hunt? I don't know. Do I'm going to buy it? Heartbreakers tomorrow. Do we own it? I'm pretty sure we do. Okay, so whose fault is that? I will confirm. I will, pick Pleasant- I will pick Pleasantville no matter which one it is. I will go upstairs and confirm. And if it's not, you can nominate something else and I won't pick that too. It'll be Pleasantville. I've wanted to rewatch. I've I've never seen Pleasantville actually. So what? I've wanted to watch Pleasantville. You've never seen Pleasantville? I've never seen Pleasantville. Oh. I look like a Pleasantville guy. Yes, actually, you do. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? You look more like a Heartbreakers guy than a Pleasantville guy. So I'm actually surprised that we own one and not the other. That's Augie. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Susan Sarandon's on your list as well. Early Susan Sarandon. Jennifer Love Hewitt's on my list too. Yes, I'm aware. And so is Gene Hackman. Imagine that trifecta. Yeah, does that mean I want to watch him in a shitty rom-com from 2002? It's great. <sighs> well, we did it. I meant made it 15 years. We can call off the charade. Oh, we... Now. The charade. Oh, this says... The, the, when it airs, we haven't made it yet. Easy. I could burst into flames tomorrow. Oh, by the grace of God. <laughs> 
before I go, I'm cutting your leg off and putting a fucking wooden wooden table leg. Oh my god, could you imagine? I'll make it real quick. You wouldn't even know where to begin. You wouldn't even know which knife to use. I wouldn't be able to get the table leg off the table. Like, can someone help me with this, please? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Married Movies. We encourage you, as always, to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get them. I got a text, and I, I misread it for a second. I wasn't sure what it was. Um, rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Uh, sub- subscribe so that we get it automatically every single week. Patreon.com slash Arcade Audio for bonus content. Arcadeo.net slash the mullets to vote in our annual award show. You got about a month left to get your votes in for the best and the worst of what we watched in 2021. Vote for my stuff. Vote for my stuff. Facebook.com slash Married Movies at Mary W Movies on Twitter. Married Movies at gmail.com. That's what you think of the show. For me, at Mary W Movies on. Nope. Oh, nope. That's still Twitter. At your host, Mold38 on Instagram. And my retro wrestling diary, arcadeo.net slash podbloggle. This week's episode is Super Brawl 6. Uh, I picked the perfect show to try to start truncating my list because boy, what a boring sack of shit of a move of a fucking show that was. Oh, great. Samantha? At Jam with your Sam on Instagram. That, that's it. I don't uh, do much else. Happy anniversary. Happy for, anniversary. Thanks for 15 years. Thanks for putting up with me. You're welcome. I love you. You're supposed to say it back. Say it back so people don't think that we actually have a terrible relationship, please. I love you. Please don't edit that out. For Mullet. This is Mullet. (laughs) Signing out for this week's episode of Married with Lisa. Catch you next time on our couch. Slash the movies. That was definitely in one take. (laughs) And someone definitely remembered, after all this time, to still say it before they stopped recording. I don't know, I just felt like the right time to stop it earlier. I wanted to oh, I'm gonna run you over with my car. <laughs> it's a lease, you wouldn't. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.